You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yep, we are uh, we're hanging out tonight. We should throw this out right off the top of the show here. Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment therapy speculation. We are going to be impromptu. Impromptu, no pressure. There you go, Judd. Put that Park Tavern logo beneath the Federated logo on the YouTube channel. Oh, thanks. There yeah, you go. Oh, God, I, 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 I got to get down low. Thank you. There. Um, it's funny. Our guy, uh, well, Phil and Cheryl, our friends at Park Tavern, we had a great meeting with them a, a few weeks ago, and, and and they're now partnered with us here on Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. And I think it was Phil asked Judd, hey, let me ask you this. Would you ever be willing? And we're like, oh, God. <laughs> To jump out of a plane, holding yeah. it like what, what's he going to ask Judd to parachute to, to with wear a park, a park tavern hooded sweatshirt on the show? And I've never that's like top five most happy and alert I've ever seen Judd. Oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, send me all of the park tavern hoodies. <laughs> the greatest thing was the question was asked like I was still like a. a Journalist at the Star Tribune, right? As if it's ethically where, sound for you where, to. Where and, there and is Judd's an like, ethical. I punted ethics years ago. <laughs> Give me that hoodie! Oh my God, you got a hat too. And and Phil and and Mackie said to uh, Phil at Park Tavern, he's like, "That's a great hat," which was not a very uh, subtle way of saying. Where can we get those? And by the time we left, we had them. So, so we're going to be hanging out tonight between like, I don't know, we'll get there around 6 o'clock on this Monday as we're recording this. And, uh, yeah, we're going to hang out at Park Tavern, watch some football. If there's Mackie and Judd or Purple Daily Score North listeners, viewers, you want to come and uh, cheers a couple beers, you're welcome to. Uh, where can they find us tonight, Judd? Uh, the back bar. Um, so when, when you walk in, there's a bar to your left. Bowling in front of you. Uh, just keep walking. Look to your uh, look to your right, and you will see a back bar there. Plenty of room. Plenty of great beers on tap, including of course Surly. And uh, we can talk some Vikings. We can talk some football. And as I said on PD before, we're going to force Phil Mackey since he's in town to talk Wolves too. I think it's only right. Very excited Dex, for that. Yes. Very Dex excited. can tell us because he actually went to that debacle on Sunday at Target Center. Uh, that's for. Uh... A different time. Let's talk Vikings here. So it's a Statements Monday on Mackie and Judd. I'd like to lead us off because it's kind of it, it's in response to a question that someone left on the YouTube channel. I'd like to read the question and then issue a statement on it. Okay. okay. So the question comes from Greg Schlichter. Schlichter. If I asked you guys this summer, this last year, who would you rather have, Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson? What would you have said straight up? Well, we did this episode like five times, I feel like, on Purple Daily during the speculative pre-free agency run where the Vikings changed out their front office and their coach. Cousins' contract was coming up you know, in less than a year. And I remember definitively saying... I would trade multiple assets for Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. get him into get him with an offensive minded coach and let him lead the franchise. And I would he's one of the top five or six guys I would pay premium quarterback money to to let him lead the franchise. And my statement off of this question from Greg is thank God the Vikings didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett or trade a truckload for Russell Wilson. Now, I will say, I think. I think there's a bounce back in Russell Wilson's future with a different head coach. I don't think there's a bounce back for Nate Hackett. I think this was, he's probably going to get fired before the season's over in an unprecedented. There, there aren't many examples of a first year coach not making it to the end of the first year. I do think if you brought Sean Payton in or someone, you'll see a Russell Wilson resurgence, but you have defensive players yelling at Russ they're averaging dead last in the league as a team. They're averaging 14 points per game. God, 14 points per game. And so, uh, yes, it is nice to have 
Kirk Cousins instead of Russell Wilson in 2022. That's my statement. Dex, you got thoughts on that? Uh, he stinks. I mean, his he's, he's got a QBR of 32 this season out of 100, which is just god-awful. His, his numbers have plummeted. Um, and yeah, they dodged two bullets. I mean, they dodged bullet with, with Russ. They dodged bullet with Nathaniel Hackett. I think Denver, and I think the ringer was the one who did this expose a few weeks ago when Denver's spiral was happening, was I think the belief in Denver was we get Nathaniel Hackett and then we can lure Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. Well, uh, that didn't go according to plan. So then they settled with Russell Wilson, which on the surface is not a bad backup plan if the initial plan was Aaron Rodgers. But uh, it is bad in Denver. It is awful. He is completely incompetent, and no one likes Russell Wilson right now. That's the incredible thing. Like, he has gone from, you know, let Russ cook, and Russ appears to be in control of the team and the locker room, to a pariah now, uh, which which I'm... There had to be something there that we didn't know. Like, you don't just turn your personality. Like, there th- there had to be things that rubbed guys the wrong way that they put up with because Seattle was successful. I, I owe apologies personally to a lot, of pe- a lot of folks. First of all, Pete Carroll, I thought you were an idiot. Like, I called for your firing. Yeah. I, I said to Phil more than once, why, why is he still there? Like, what's going on? Why would you pick Pete Carroll above Russ? Um... Geno Smith's been great, and I was totally wrong there. I owe an apology to Kirk Cousins. Every one of those episodes that we did, which was probably five deep, I said, oh, yeah, Russell Wilson, Kirk. I I scoffed. I scoffed. I laughed. I laughed in the face of the Cousins, you know, Kirk, Kirk might be. No, no, no. Russell Wilson, go get him. So I was totally wrong. Um, Independent of Cousins, the transformation of Russ into this pariah is an incredible story. Well, yeah, and, and so at, at the same time as Russell Wilson turning into this pariah where now teammates are chirping at him on the field and <laughs> fans think he's just kind of... And his personality has always been a little hokey, a little nerdy and gimmicky, but he's he's now rubbing people the wrong way because his play on the field has, has deteriorated too. But while that has happened, Kirk Cousins has kind of gone the opposite way where his... <laughs> His sort of hokey, fakeish personality that rubs some people the wrong way behind the scenes, and I and I have said that, like I've you have heard that too. Not that people hated him, but it was people for a while behind the scenes were like, "Come on, guy, what? Right. Let's be a little bit more of a real human being here." He yep. is now. Now he is like being comfortably himself, and he's become this likable figure that players rally around and they're putting the chains on him on the plane and they're, you know, it's kind of amazing to see the flip-flop. So, again, I I do think there is a Russell Wilson bounce back with the right coach. They need to hire Sean Payton. Um, but, yeah, thank God the Vikings chose Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins over Nathaniel Hackett and, and Russell Wilson. What a disaster. Hmm. All right, here's my statement off of the upcoming game on Sunday between the New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. Ordinary name, extraordinary quarterback. That's my statement, just because it sounds good. Um, so so Mike White, who is... How many who, Mike Whites are in the phone oh, book? It's oh, got to be. You will be... You will be spending the rest of today and probably all of tomorrow counting that. Is there if, a website? You can find it. All the Mike Whites. So so the, the switch from Zach Wilson, who the Jets obviously think or thought was their future, to Mike White yesterday resulted in, a, now it was against the Bears, but Mike White throws for three touchdowns, 315 yards, 31-10 win. The Jets are now 7-4, and four, and they're clearly going to stick with Mike White. Bad timing right there because um, – I would say that, okay, bring Mike White here, right, against this defense. But they're 31st in yards in yards surrendered. Then I would say, yeah, but Mike White's young. He's going to get flustered here. Well, I said the same thing about Mac Wilson, and guess what? He had enough time to throw. He didn't get flustered. So this is going to be a definite test for the Vikings offense against a very good Jets defense. But now, just as importantly, Mike White against the Vikings 
defense could be a whole lot more interesting than it set up to potentially be when it was going to be Zach Wilson against that defense. Yeah, yeah. if, if you would have told me a few weeks ago, like, hey, uh, the Vikings are going to face the Jets and Mike White's going to start, how do you feel about that? I would have said, awesome. Not anymore. <laughs> not oh. if, Especially not, it kind of feels like they're, they, they, they all sort of ostracized Zach Wilson, and now they're rallying around Mike White. So there's a chemistry there, too, that maybe didn't exist before. So interesting. Also, which Mike White are you going to get? Are you going to get the guy who also, by the way, beat the Bengals for 400 yards last year? Like, he has started before. But he also started against the Bills two weeks later and threw four picks and, and do, couldn't do anything. So which Mike White are you going mm. to get? Are you going to get the one that balled mm. out? Uh, last week or yesterday against Chicago and last year against Cincinnati, are you going to get the guy who threw four picks against a Bills team and lost 45-17? Uh, I'm curious on that one. Okay, so there is a website called MyNameStats.com mm-hmm. in which you can look up a first or a last name and see just how popular that name is. But I don't think there's 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 nothing where you can search a first and a last name together. So... Uh, so, like Michael, for instance, Michael is his full name. Uh, Michael is the fifth most popular name in the United States, with an estimated population of four point one. There's four point one million Michaels just running around the United States right now, mm. or crawling, or whatever they're doing. That's all. I thought it'd be more. Me too. I asked that'd be more. Really? I mean, that's like four point one million. That's. But that's like. Isn't that like two percent of the population is named Mike? I say when you break it down like that, it sounds like a lot. And you so well, well actually, so how many men are in the country? Like a hundred? Let's say there's a hundred seventy. Let's I think like a hundred sixty thousand men or boys or million million. So four million. What's four divided by one sixty? So no like idea. like two and a half, like almost three percent of all the boys and men running around right, are just okay, named Mike. Right, I'm sorry, I mentioned it. Okay. Uh, and then White is ranked as the 19th most popular last name in the United States. There's 700,000 Whites running around with the people of the last name White. Yep. So there's there's got to be like tens of thousands of Mike Whites in the United States just based off this math. There is only uh, 1,300 Declans according to this website. So you are looking at a very rare person right Some now. Some people spell it with a K, though, don't they? They do, yes. Yeah. Some people spell it with Throwing a K. Throwing Judd. When uh, I got to imagine Judd is you okay? You look up Judd. I'll look up Zolgad. Okay, I'll look up. Oh, there's only one of those. Zol, well, uh, there's, six, there's at least two. There's six thousand. There's sixty four hundred Juds. There's. Okay, it yeah. says there are no Zolgads. You oh don't my exist. God! Are you not? Are you? Un, are you unlisted? I've been wiped off. Uh, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe so. There's even more Mike Whites because there's probably well, there's a bunch more, of yeah, there's a yeah. bunch of unlisted Mike Whites and there's more last name Juds than first name Juds by a significant <laughs> the by Judds, a significant yeah. margin. Interesting. You know what? This is awesome. If your last name we is White, <laughs> you owe it to your kid to give him or her a unique uh, first name. Yeah. Like your last name is White. What are you doing na- naming your kid Mike? Yeah, I agree. Like that's where you come up with. Uh, we're going to give this kid a special first name because his last name is very, very common. Mm. Did you see last night someone snapped a photo of uh, the two quarterbacks that were on the field in the second half together? Oh, Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts, and they were standing next to each other after the game was over. Yeah. And Love Hurts. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Love. Yes. That's a great song. Uh, all right, I think we're over to Declan yeah. here. Statements Monday. Uh, my statement is Kings of the North. So the Vikings have a chance as of next Sunday to clinch the NFC North already to wrap it up. Uh, if the Vikings beat the Lions, or beat the Jets, excuse me, and the Lions lose the Jags, then Minnesota will already wrap up the NFC North division, which is crazy that's already happened this early. But this is where you've uh, banked all these wins. You don't have to apologize for how you got these wins. Now the Vikings essentially will have a home playoff game locked in. There's a a chance by this time next week, we're literally talking about the Vikings already have locked in their first home playoff game for the playoffs that won't start again for like six weeks after that, so yeah. which is an awesome thing for the Vikings. So Kings of the North, uh, the Vikings have a chance to wrap up that division as of next week. So what? So they have three more road games, all division road games. So they've yep. they've got the at Detroit in a couple weeks, and then later on in January, uh, Green Bay, Chicago. 
that Detroit Detroit will still be fighting very much at that point. I think if if they do lose their next game, it makes it tougher. They might start to slide, but Detroit's going to put up, I think, the biggest fight. Green Bay on January first almost certainly starts Jordan Love, right? Yes, like Jordan Love is ninety five percent playing in that game. The Chicago game, I still think that, I mean, they're going to be out of the playoff race, but I think that's a team that with a new head coach and if Justin Fields, but he might be shut down too. So that the, the Chicago game is kind of a wild card. I would rank in terms of your three remaining division road games in terms of uh, how hard they're going to be. I would say at Detroit is the hardest. If Chicago plays Justin Fields and they're trying to end the season on a high note to build you know momentum or whatever, if if Green Bay is out of it, and they almost certainly will be, and they're starting Jordan Love, I think that's the easiest of the three remaining division road games. Until Jordan Love gets hot and and starts slinging the ball around, here's a guy oh, yeah. that likes to sling the ball. Wouldn't that be just their franchise luck that they? Christian oh, here's a, there's our third Hall of Fame quarterback. Ah. Christian Christian catches two touchdown passes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um. All right, my next my next statement is presented by our friends at Federated. Federated's been around. Here's a statement for you. Federated is going to help maximize the success of your business. A great guiding hand. It's like having a great offensive line for your business. Federated's been around since 1904, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. Um, find out about all the tools and resources and the industries that they specialize in at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Um, I, all right, here's my next statement. I think Kirk Cousins has finally shed the primetime embarrassment label. Oh, wow. People, he, at one point he was like 0 and 9 on Monday night football or something. And like he had one primetime win in 11. It was, the stats were ridiculous. He's never going to be a guy like Mahomes or Russell Wilson had a ridiculous Monday night record for a long time. He's not going to be the guy that just dominates every primetime game. But my statement is, I think Kirk has graduated from being the primetime dunce that he was for a long time. He'll put up a fight in primetime games now or standalone window games more than ever before. There was the Cowboys clunker. There's going to be some of those. But then there was the maybe the best game of the season for him against the Patriots. Primetime Thanksgiving, huge audience watching. So no one's asking him to be perfect in these primetime games, but he is putting up a fight in primetime games and helping lead the team to wins in standalone games. Yeah, and he's been, again, I'll, I'll go back to it. What, what has he done? He has succeeded under pressure when it matters most. And so that's the difference between... Kirk Cousins' stats master and Kirk O'Chain's comeback king, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the difference is that. Do you have a clutch gene? Because you know what? I don't care. I don't care what you do passing wise when your team's down by twenty one. I don't care what you do passing wise in the second quarter of a game when you go off, but then in the fourth you choke. Um, the confidence that this team now has with in large part because of what Kirk has done, is a different player. And yeah, I I think that that is part and parcel, Phil, to your point, which is a guy that can bring teams back in in the fourth quarter. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. Here's a guy that can bring teams back in the fourth quarter of a noon start, right? All of a sudden, that confidence translates to after the sun goes down. And so now the clutch genes employed full time. So that's that's why I mean to me mm-hmm. this guy's a different guy. Yeah, I am the f- game, Jr. <laughs> there he is. It's uh, Kirk Cousins after the win against the Patriots, right there. Yeah. Kirk being interviewed by Jim Ross for some reason. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Kirk O'Chains now, in retrospect, actually made an appearance before the chains ever appeared on Kirk's neck or, or around Kirk's neck. Kirk O'Chains first appeared training camp practice, joint practice, 49ers. When he made that play and said, "You effing like that," with mom and dad right there, it's it, you know that what was it was like. If you guys seen that, the, that Teen Wolf movie from the '80s with Michael J. Fox, that training while. camp moment, the joint practice moment, was like early in the movie where he wasn't full on turning into the Teen Wolf yet, but like oh. he'd look in the mirror, all of a sudden, like his eyes would be red and like there'd be hair yeah. on his forearms, <laughs> and like, oh my god, 
You effing like that? Whoa. Whoa. And, and dad's like, what <laughs> What just came out? What came out of my son's mouth? Kirko, Kirko Chains came out. That's what came out. All right. Are we back over to Judd here? Yeah. Judd yeah, Statements Monday. My Viking statement is this. Especially with 10 days off now uh, from the time of the Patriots game to the time of the Jets game. Get your act together, comma, Ed. This gives you a little bit more time, I think, to go back and reflect again on what the Patriots did um, offensively to you. Uh, And just like you did, and and you proved you could do it, when you came back in that Dolphins game with what I thought was a far better defensive game plan. Because up until then, it, it had sort of been a disaster, and then... There was a run, it felt like, starting in the Dolphins game, where I don't know that the yards went down in a huge way, but you could definitely, from an eye test, see the defense was getting more pressure and playing better. Well, it has certainly, the last two games, disintegrated again. Get the act together. Your defense does not need to be great, but what it does need to be is representable to give yourself a a fighting chance, and the last two games have been concerning. So, with extra time, a little more self-scouting, right? Some ideas tossed around. Get your act together and show us a far better defensive performance against the Jets. You know, I, again, love me some Kevin O'Connell. We used to rip Mike Zimmer all the time for not popping his head into an offensive meeting once in a while, other than stop throwing the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, right? Like, I didn't want him, I didn't want him to just, like, take over the offense because defense was his side of the football. But Mike outsourced offense to a fault. And he only got involved when he was mad and would he, he wasn't like productively involved in innovating the offense, right? It felt like he was putting shackles on the offense. Yes. Does Kevin O'Connell deserve some criticism? And again, we're not there behind the scenes. I don't know. Maybe maybe he is spending some time in defensive meetings that we don't know about. But he's clearly been focused on the offense and play calling and Kirk Cousins relationship. Does he need to get a little bit more hands-on? Mm, I mean, probably yes. And and look, no one's expecting a miraculous turnaround for the, this thing to become the 2017 Vikings defense. But if you're going to make a playoff run, this has to be shored up to a certain point. Like this will... Dodging bullets in the regular season becomes far more difficult in the playoffs. So if you don't get this turned around to an acceptable point where you are not giving up yards after yards, and and as we we talked about on on PD last night, the other problem is your red zone success defensively is not good. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a recipe for playoff disaster. You have had a very fortuitous year in which a lot has gone right, but you've also played well. You need to capitalize. Just like you, you did, and full credit, the Hawkinson trade was a was a nod to, oh, hold on a second here, right? We're playing pretty well. What could we use? They they went out and addressed it, and that was fantastic. Defensively, there's no magic elixir to bring in, but it needs to be addressed. It, it would be a damn shame if Ingram, Joseph, or the defense cost you a game because each one of them in their own way has given you a warning danger like the alarm's going off are you going to shut it off and fix it or are you going to no. ignore it you and drive just that hold, car into the ground baby you just and just driving. say and just say yeah the alarm's going off but my apartment alarm always goes off i'm gonna go back to sleep and the next thing you know it's a six alarm fire. oh my carbon monoxide alarms yes, just chirp I all the time i don't know i exactly. just if he just dies unplug him. he dies yep exactly <laughs> right all right, Dick, Dex, give us one more yeah. Viking statement. Uh, my last one is stay ahead of San Francisco. And what I mean by that is, so right now in the NFC playoff picture, the Vikings have the two seed, and they have it by two games. They're 9-2, and two, the Niners are 7-4. and four. Do everything in your power to remain ahead of San Francisco in the standings. I want nothing to do with going to Santa Clara and playing San Francisco. Playing San Francisco in Minneapolis is already going to be tougher as tough as it is. But right now, the Vikings have a two-game cushion on them. Um, conference record, I believe, Judd Wright, is the next tiebreaker if there's no head-to-head matchup. Yeah. Uh, yep. So the Vikings and the Niners are both also 6-2 and two in the NFC Conference. So do everything in your power. You're still in the driver's seat to be the number two seed in the NFL. But do everything in your power, in my opinion, to stay ahead of San Francisco. I do not want to go to Santa Clara. San Francisco has some tough games 
in the next month. They play home against Miami this Sunday. They play home against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers the following Sunday. And then they play at Seattle. And they've passed Seattle in the standings, but at Seattle is a Thursday night game. And then they do get Washington at home, too. So they have a bunch of home games, but against playoff caliber teams. uh, And then at Vegas and home against Arizona. So those are the six games they have left. If they go four and two or worse, I think the Vikings are fine. But if they if they beat Miami or something, and there's a there's half a chance that San Francisco San Francisco, which has won four games in a row, could go like five and one and finish the season with a twelve and five record. So, yeah, I I'm kind of with Dex. If you're going to play them, play them at US Bank Stadium. Don't don't make it a road game. They scare me. They flat out scare me. They don't scare me. I say bring them on. Me. Bring on every team. Oh, well, I play no, but I, I'm saying of of the teams that scare me. Dallas, San Francisco, but I think San Francisco now is atop my list. That defense is ferocious. And well, and part of the good news for like Dallas is right now they are a wild card team and they would have if the playoffs started today, Dallas and the Buccaneers would play each other in Tampa. So like Dallas could wind up drawing Tom Brady or the Niners in a road playoff game. You could have Dallas just get knocked out playing a road game in the first round and not have to worry about running that game back again. I think if you played that game 10 times, though, I think the Cowboys blow you out once or twice. I think the Vikings and Cowboys probably split it five times. The Vikings Mm -hmm. blow the Cowboys out once, maybe. So that that was an anomaly. I don't think if if like I don't think you have to be worried that if you play the Cowboys 10 times, they would wax you eight times in the way that they did. Agree completely. So, uh, yeah, Parson scares me. So that that's what scares me. Like, can can you stop him? Because that guy is incredible. Yep, he's a good football player. Yes, he is. So, okay, uh, statements Monday, continuing here on Mackie and Judd, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do something unprecedented. I'm gonna read you a quote. Okay. And then I want your statement, Judd, off of this quote, and then we can we can take statements anywhere we want to go after that. This is from PJ Fleck after taking the axe in consecutive years for the first time in like 30 years. It's been like 1993 or something was the last time. 93, 94, I believe. It's the last time the Gophers had the axe in back-to-back years. Jim Wacker. That's right. But the Badgers were just starting to get good and weren't really good yet, I don't think. so. And then they moved into Rose Bowl yeah. territory. Uh, this was also... Probably one of the two or three worst Badgers teams this year. They fired their coach, and then they then they hire Luke Fickle. Who Luke Fickle's been in the mix for some big jobs, so that's a big hire. But here's the quote: I still remember people, Heather and I, every time they'd see us, just beat Wisconsin, and you can stay forever. Well, we've beaten Wisconsin twice, and you all wanted me fired last week. That's how that goes. Talking to the media after the win. Right. My statement is this. Give me a bleeping break. What? um, More than angering me, this disappointed me a lot. Because, one, fans were upset that you lost to, to the Hawkeyes. And by the way, your game plan against the Badgers was exactly what it should have been against the Hawkeyes. Yeah. Uh, second, second of all... You are coming off what I consider to be, and this is not hyperbole because my expectations are often very, very low, one of the gopher seasons in which I had the highest of hopes. Your schedule was conducive to winning. You didn't have Ohio State, who you have next season. You didn't have Michigan, who you have next year. Nor did you have a good Wisconsin team or a good Iowa team. Good Iowa team, exactly. So... Now you had an opportunity. This, If you were ever going to win the Big Ten West, Purdue won it. If you were ever going to win the Big Ten West and actually do it in a way that would give you a fighting chance to, yes, probably get blown out or lose now to Michigan in the Big Ten championship game, it would give you a fighting chance, if you had done this right, to go to the Rose Bowl. And I've always said this. I don't care. It does not have to be part of the national championship picture. A Rose Bowl for this program would be enormous. Northwestern has gone. 
Wisconsin made it a regular thing, and at one point they were as bad or worse than you years back. And so for P.J. to play the woe-is-me Jerry Kill card, I mean, Jerry Kill played this card well, Way I guess, too I much. Guess maybe I'm just not a very good coach. Yeah, I guess maybe, would, maybe I should just maybe I should just quit. I'm just not that, that good of a coach. Y'all think that I'm was not a response? A good coach. That was a response to a Chris Long question. Chris Long, one of the nicest guys, actually just asked about an in-game thing, and and Kill went to that BS card. And for PJ now to pull out the you all wanted me fired. First of all, no one in the media in this town that I saw called for your job. Just because some fans Correct. did. And because you and your wife read Twitter, dude, people hate me sometimes. Guess what I do? <laughs> I think it's hilariously funny. Um, so yeah. this, this to me was a real as far as my as far as my respect here or my feelings about Fleck, a real step backward. Because if anything, here's what I wanted to hear: Hey, we got the axe back. It's great. Did this season live up to our expectations? Absolutely not. It, it ends, at least in the Big Ten, on a high note. But we could have done more. That's what he should have said, not this garbage. I started a brawl on Twitter when I was, I, I think, on a plane yesterday coming to Minneapolis. Because the Gophers, maybe this is, it might have been the day before. Because the, the, the Gophers' official account on Twitter, at Gopher Sports, found a screenshot of the college game day crew's picks for the game and and Desmond Howard was the only team that picked the Gophers. Uh, so A.J. Hawk, Pat McAfee, Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreet all picked the Badgers. So they found a screenshot of, like, Badger, 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 Badger. And, and after the Gophers won the game, they they, uh, they tweeted, you up to the college game day. Well, it's, it's a harmless whatever. They're just having fun and stuff. And, and I merely tweeted, nice win over the Badgers, not the season to get cocky. Mm-hmm. And I elaborated by saying that, this was a nice win over the Badgers. Definitely celebrate beating the Badgers in back-to-back seasons. It's also the this is a train wreck Badgers team that just fired their coach. They can't really move the ball offensively. It's not a good, not a good Badgers team. So it's it's not like you're dunking on a tenth-ranked Wisconsin team here on the road with the division on the line or something. It's like whatever. Like these are two teams that underachieved. They weren't playing for anything other than the axe and. Uh, and this season has been, I think, for all the reasons we've said, this has been one of the most disappointing seasons relative to expectations that I can remember in the last 25 years. There's been there's been a couple train wrecks in there. I'm not saying it's the most disappointing season, but when you account for the schedule opportunity, having a sixth-year quarterback at the helm, having one of the best running backs in college football, a solid offensive line, a good defense, no Michigan, no Ohio State, barely Wisconsin, barely Iowa, right? And you lose four games and, and you're not even playing for your division in the final two weeks of the season. I think it's a disappointment. And um, I, think it's, I think it's fair to say both things. That yes, it's nice for recruiting purposes. It's nice for bragging purposes to have the axe. And overwhelmingly, the feedback I got was just let us celebrate this. Like You can celebrate all you want. I'm saying don't get cocky and like start chirping game day because... You know, how dare they doubt the Gophers? The Gophers dug their own grave on this. And so as I was processing PJ's comments about, well, you all wanted me fired last week. You know, I'm what do you he's basically saying, what do you want from me? I'm beating Wisconsin every year now. What do you want from me? Well, I went back six years ago, six seasons ago, and I found what PJ Fleck had said. I was in the room for this, sitting in the second row as he was, you know, giving his 45 minute introductory speech to to uh, boosters and to the media and to players and everything inside TCF Bank Stadium at the time. So this is in 2017 on the day he was introduced and PJ said, quote, people ask me all the time, why Minnesota? Because we both share a vision of winning a national championship. We share a vision of winning the Big Ten West. We share the vision of winning Big Ten championships and Rose Bowls. So my next statement is, we're only holding PJ to the standard that he set himself six seasons ago. He's the one that came in and started throwing around national championship, Big Ten West, Big Ten titles, and Rose Bowls. Four things that he threw out. And I am not calling for his head. I want to be clear here. 
That's another statement. I, Phil Mackey, <laughs> am not calling for PJ Flex head. There is room between calling for someone's head and being an unapologetic homer that never, ever criticizes the team. I am living in that space right now. Or I don't want him fired. He has done a better job than pretty much any Gophers head coach since Murray Warmath 60 years ago. But he deserves to be criticized for this season. And he should have thicker skin than what he said after the game. When you step up there in 2017 and say national championships, Big Ten West titles, Big Ten titles, and Rose Bowls, and you haven't done any of those things in six years, again, I don't think you should be fired. I think they should get him another contract extension. But you can't throw that stuff around and set that bar and then not have it come back around for some accountability at some point. He's also like, if you if you trust, you know, like uh, 247.com, for instance, uh, recruiting rankings, his average recruiting class ranks 10th in the Big Ten over the last four years. So recruiting has not been amazing for me there. There's some things to poke at here. To go to the woe is me card after that game in this season is is an indication of just how not grounded in reality P.J. Fleck is. And that's my problem with it. You know as well as I do, and everyone knows. And by the way, nobody wants you fired because it's now my opinion that I don't think you're going to improve there. I don't think he's that fi- he's Luke, doing fine. He's doing yeah, fine. But, but I mean, back when he came here, you know what? Luke Fickle was not going to look at this job and be like, oh, I'm on my way. He was waiting for a bigger job, okay? P.J. Fleck is doing fine. I think P.J. Fleck might be doing as well as you can possibly do. Like, there was a time where I thought, oh, man, they could win this or that. I'm not so convinced now. But for him to say what he said and to not give a nod to, yeah, you know what? I could have done a better job, too. I mean, we're getting a tutorial for this year, at least. It might change. Who knows? Because he has not faced adversity yet, truly. We are getting a tutorial from a young coach in Kevin O'Connell, aren't we, in how to handle things. He does a marvelous job, too, and he doesn't overdo it. And this is where Fleck um, probably now more and more loses people. Kevin O'Connell does a marvelous job of not being a martyr, but a lot of times saying, I need to improve to you guys. I, You know what? But he does it in a way where you're like, okay, cool. You, that's not too much. It's not like you're trying to purposely fall on the sword continually. What you're saying is you can improve. P.J. Fleck, make no mistake, is an atrocious game coach. He is awful. He is terrible. He is beyond bad. He is a fire. He's fireable as far as a, a game coach those goes. Are, those, are, those are statements. Those are statements. He runs. He run. <laughs> he runs the. He runs the program. And I. And again, I'm not calling for his job, but I am saying that there are so many things where he could have gotten up to that podium and said, "Great win. Really proud. Axe stays home." And you know what? It wasn't the season that we we expected, and I'm part of the problem there. So you just really lose me with this college football coaching crap that I think we were subjected to. Yeah, one more thing to note here, too. I think part of the reason, just to, because another thing that I keep hearing is, well, what do you want? Like, it's it's not, it's a program that's done nothing in in 60 years. They won eight games, and they're going to maybe win a ninth game in a bowl game. Like, they're not Alabama. Totally agree. Totally agree. But I think I think generally speaking, this is an eight to nine win program. But much like they did in 2019, if there's a soft schedule where you don't have to play Ohio State or Michigan or maybe Iowa or Wisconsin is down or something, and you can take advantage of the soft spot that season in a schedule, then go win ten or eleven games. And they did in 2019. And I think we're again, no one's saying burn it down, but I think to say hey, this is kind of disappointing. They had a really soft schedule this year. And they lost a couple of games. No one was saying they were going to run the table, but like this was a 10 win season waiting to happen. And this was the year of all years where you could win the Big Ten West and then go take your shellacking if that's what happens against Michigan and maybe you know fall into a nice New Year's Day bowl game. And now you look ahead and say, okay, well, well, well next year, we'll go get him next year, right? And, you know, we got, uh, got the mobile quarterback that just threw for 300 yards. It'll be great. 
Well, part of the problem here going forward is your schedule next year is brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michigan and Ohio State come back on the schedule. Iowa and Wisconsin are likely going to be better, in part because Wisconsin just hired Luke Fickle. The first game of the season's against Nebraska. They just hire Matt Rule. Laugh all you want about Matt Rule as the Carolina coach in the NFL. Matt Rule at Baylor turned a sanctioned, shackled program into, I think, a Sugar Bowl team, an 11-win team within three years. Just bam. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to win 11 games at Nebraska next year, but, like, that's tough. You play at North Carolina, a Mac Jones-coached nine-win North Carolina team going to a bowl game to win 10. So, like, you have a tough schedule. And then guess what happens in 2024? USC and UCLA joined the conference. <laughs> so and I think this was kind of the year, point, and that's why people are a little bit pissed. And I, if I'm not mistaken, in two years, the conference is probably going to combine back together. So, so it's the not West gonna have going West to have West. Yeah, it'll just be all so one. So it's going to be everybody in the top two teams will go to the conference championship game. Or what yes. if they what if they just formed two ambiguously named you know divisions? Like call one of them the leaders and the other one the legends right. or something. Could, do something like that. Oh, I love that idea. No? Okay. No. Anyways, all right. I just had to get that, get off, that off our chest there. That's a good understand. conversation. So, yeah. All right. I'll give, you, I'll give you a statement from uh, from that Wolves debacle that I sat through. Luckily, my buddy has season tickets, so I was the plus one. So I, I, I did not buy a ticket to that shellacking. I was just being a good friend. Went with him. Uh, but what I have noticed is Rudy Gobert has Troy Williamson hands. Rudy Gobert has... <laughs> Awful for as a big and of a mammoth man as that guy is, he's got the softest hands I have ever seen, dude. He's getting well, he has, he has hard hands. Yeah, well, soft hands would be soft like hands would be Chris good, yes. Carter hands. I wish he had soft hands. His hands are awful. He can't grip the ball. He gets swatted away. And what? There's so many instances too. And I've now seen two Wolves games in person this season. I don't know why Rudy just does not go up for dunks more. I don't know why the dude is always looking for an underneath or looking for a layup behind. Like, Rudy, you are the tallest guy on the court by far. But his hands are awful, and it's preventing him from being effective offensively, dude. His hands are brutal. Watching it in person, it's even extra bad. Yeah, it's uh, it it was a thing in Utah. He's not the... What's tough is you get into these pick-and-roll situations, and there's traffic. So if he's the roll man going to the hoop and... This will happen where like Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell will give him a bounce pass or pass in traffic, and he's not the most reliable at catching those passes. And I think someone, Austin Rivers, I think, was quoted after the game last night. I'm paraphrasing here, but if we're going to run that big lineup out there, which we are, we need to play big. We don't, we're not like going up with authority. We're not dominating on the boards. They're just kind of they're they're big in size, but they don't use their bigness to impose on opposing teams yet. They're also moving just a half step slow systematically. It feels like you watch the Warriors and the Suns and some of these established teams that have chemistry and it's like everything is crisp, bang, bang, bang. And the Wolves are still kind of looking at each other a little sideways when they're moving the ball around and not I don't know if I trust Rudy's hands or I don't know if there was this a, is the right place to be. There was a play where Rudy got Stripped underneath the basket, I think, like late in the fourth or third quarter yesterday. And Draymond Green is just sitting there laughing at him. Like, like just, just right next to him, also not getting back in transition. Just like in awe of what just took place. Like, that yeah. was embarrassing. And, of course, it comes from Draymond. But, yeah, I, people are noticing, dude. It's, it's, uh, it's been a little brutal. It's been ugly. Yeah. It's, oh, man. We're going to, we have a flagrant howls episode coming out. And Kyle and I are going to break some of this down. There's just a... They looked so good during the five-game win streak, and they peaked. The way they played against the Pacers middle of last week, it was like a Wednesday game before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Cat was great, right? Yep. Oh, my God. The whole starting lineup was incredible. They were playing with pace, and and that's a, that's a no-joke Pacers team. They're not like a championship contender, but a good that's team. a really good team that, had, that also had, uh, I think it was four or five wins in a row going in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that goes. It's like you guys... How do you play that way? And then, okay, now it's time to go to Charlotte, which is one of the three or four worst teams in the NBA, and they have injury problems. And you just mail it in for two hours. There's just, there's a weird, another weird vibe thing. I'll give you a statement off this, okay? All right, Austin Rivers. I found one of these quotes here. So he was asked about, this is from Dane Moore. 
when asked how the Wolves can add more physicality to their identity. And he said, lead by example, pick up full court, getting on guys. I've got to start talking more. I'm going to start getting on guys. If I see someone not guarding hard or if I see a bleep up, I'm going to hold guys accountable and ask them to hold me accountable. He's talking about like the team needs someone to hold each other accountable. And my statement is, this is a huge indictment on Towns, Gobert, and D'Lo. So those are the three highest paid leaders of the team. Those are the guys that should, like it should be your culture, especially Towns and Dilo. This has been your team for four seasons now. Why does Austin Rivers have to come in here and survey the field after 20 games being a total outsider? And I get that he has probably the most veteran experience of anyone on the team, but like, why is he coming in and after 20 games being like, oh, someone needs to hold these guys accountable? Why is that not Towns? Why is that not D'Lo? Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how many times have, have we heard that veteran guys who are, are role players now are the guys who are like, I got to say more, I got to do more. It, Pat it's ridiculous. Bev, yeah. yeah. Austin Rivers, Torian Prince. Is yeah, a few Torian weeks, Prince. A, he's the one leading film sessions behind the scenes. And yeah, it's... These, these are... These wolves are the Parisi and Suter wild to a T. Which is the Gobert thing looks good. Like, like it, in theory, it should work, and in theory, it looks good. But the there is no question, this team is a mess off the court, and it translates onto the floor. And that game in Charlotte on Friday was so indicative of of a team that is messed up, and it's flat out, I think, a chemistry problem. But not not just a chemistry of playing problem, Phil. I think it's a chemistry problem of that locker room. Something is very wrong. Because why Why are all of these guys who are veteran role players saying, I have to leave? No, you don't. That's not your job. Well, they should, they, I, but they need to. If it's if there's a gap, then that, that now it is Austin Rivers' job. But ordinarily, they would like try and empower Towns. They would try to be, I mean, you're basically your key players. What these guys are saying, this is a very creative, backhanded way of saying, our key players aren't providing any guidance at all. Yeah. By the way, Chris Finch was asked about the Wolves' identity so far, and it's not a total train wreck. They are 10-10. and 10. They did win like four games in a row, and they, they've, they've had some peak moments. But he said, quote, Our identity right now is super inconsistent, very Jekyll and Hyde. We are not as physical or as tough as I'd like us to be. You know, you bring in... And Gobert, it's funny because Gobert, you, he profiles as a guy that you would think is physical and tough because he's a rebounder, yep. shot blocker, defensive guy. But he's 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 kind of a, like he's finesse at those things. He's not exactly he's certainly not a get in your face personality. He's not like a don't mess with him in the lane type of a guy. And sometimes I think he's deferential when it comes to rebounds and shot blocks. Where there's there's been plenty of times just in the last three or four games where a guard will get into the paint and it's like, all right, well, good luck. And he just goes up around Rudy for a layup. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's, okay. that's your shot to block. Why are you not blocking ah. that shot or contesting that shot? There's, it's just, it's weird. I'm going to give you two P words that describe this team perfectly. Oh God. He's going to, you don't get us fired here. Two words oh, no. that begin with the letter P. Don't do it. Describe this team perfectly. Passive and petulant. Oh, they are passive and pet. No, no, I don't know what you thought I was going to say. Prima donnas, FPs. Oh, they're FPs, <laughs> is what you're saying. They are. They are passive and petulant. Because I think I don't think Gobert is petulant. I think Towns and, and D'Lo are definitely petulant at times. And I do think that Gobert and Towns and D'Lo can be incredibly passive. You don't win in professional sports if those two P's are haunting your team. Yeah. I've got three words for you. Spiral light candles. Oh, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. So 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 again, Sports Dad is here for gift ideas because Sports Dad knows at the tender age of 53 that guys, we panic. December 1st hits and we panic because we say, "Oh my god, Christmas is coming. I don't have time to go shopping. What does my wife, my girlfriend, my mom, what do they even want? It's so difficult." And so you're jumbled up in what to get. Uh uh uh. I'm going to help you right now. Spiral light candles, spiral light candles.com. 
Two boxes showed up at the Zolgad doorstep on Saturday. The wife called and said, bring them inside. She got home from work. Oh, she was so excited because this box is full of spiral light candles. These things smell good. They're incredibly cool. They are the perfect gift. Uh, they're not expensive. They are very reasonable. And right now, Spiral Light has uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals that are in progress. So check them out. Make them gifts for Christmas, the holidays. SpiralLightCandles.com. It's where your shopping starts. And your mom, wife, girlfriend say, this is a perfect gift. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, anything else from you guys? Any other statements here to wrap this Monday Statements episode? Uh, yeah, I got one. Okay. I got one. My statement is, is this. Sometimes there's reason that go beyond the on-the-floor or ice product to bring guys in. Ryan Reeves was traded for, and yes, he is a fighter, and he doesn't skate great, but the Wild traded for him last week, and and he wasn't playing much for the Rangers, but Bill Garrett accurately said, our team needs more swagger. What what do the Wolves lack? They lack fun and swagger. They need, a, sort they of need, a, they need Ryan Reeves. I mean, yeah, they do. Pardon my French. They're a dead ass. And Bill Garrett said, you know what? Our team has the same problem. Am I breaking up again? Yes. Yes, it's 11 a.m. <laughs> and you break up at 11 a.m. for like the last month. I don't know why. Okay, I'm done then. I'm done then. Good job, Bill Garrett. Nice trade. I like Ryan Reeves. It's weird. Judd literally has like five minutes of internet gremlins at 11 a.m. every single, not every day, but like sometimes. Yeah. Is Xfinity doing something like resetting? I, I have no idea. I think we uh, we get the general gist. The wolves are anyway. The wolves yeah, are FPs who need some more toughness. They could use basketball. a Ryan, uh, the basketball version of Ryan Reeves, which I guess Pat Beverly kind Pat, of was that. Pat Beth. Yeah, it's literally Pat Beth. Just trade for him again, yeah. bring him back, uh-huh. fix this whole thing. So, all right, that's Mackie and Judd here on this Monday. Um, be sure to check out Vikings Vent Line every single post game Sunday against the Jets on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, the most fan friendly interactive show in all of Minnesota sports. Um, we uh, we basically just turn the show over to you guys for ninety minutes. So. Uh, check that out. And please click subscribe on both the Score North and the Purple Daily YouTube channels. Thanks for getting us over 50,000 combined subscribers over uh, the last few weeks or so. We'll see you guys tomorrow.